0: are you it's great to be on the podcast with you we are laughing because we were literally talking about noise and the one thing that popped up when we started the podcast (laughs) was a honking horn of somebody's car outside but it's all good it's all good we're here um it's really really great to have you on the podcast freesia and i am really excited to talk to you um one because uh, you are a, a kindred IO psychologist who um, I'm sure we could nerd out all day about all things culture and behavior at work. Uh, and you also lead up research at Culture Amp. So um, I will not do your introduction for you, I will uh, bounce it to you. Uh, so tell us, uh, Frija, who you are uh, and what is the impact you're looking to make on the world?
1: Yeah, I'm equally excited to be here. Um, yeah, so as you mentioned, I'm the lead researcher at CultureAmp. Um, and CultureAmp is an employee experience platform that works with over 6,000 companies to improve their employee engagement, performance, and development by making it easy for employees to give feedback to the company as well as to one another, um, uh, but my specific thing that I do there is um, I look across the data across all of those 6,000 customers to see what are the trends we're seeing, you know, what can we learn so that people don't have to make the same mistakes as other companies, but we can learn from one another and uh, really share that with the world. Um, And as you mentioned, my background's in organizational psychology, which I really went into because I realized that we spend a third to half of our waking lives at work. So hopefully it's an enjoyable and fulfilling experience that that fills up your cup uh, so that when you get home from the day, it's, it's adding to it and not detracting from the rest of your life, really. That's the ultimate Mm -hmm. hope. Um, So that's the impact I'd like to make on the world. And then also, ultimately, just to create a better world of work and use data to do that.
0: I love it. So it sounds like your value alignment of the work you're doing right now is like, bam, right? Like kind of (laughs) parallel, you know, and and that's really um, kind of the conversation I wanted to have with you today and chat through because First of all, Culture Amp has, um, you know, is a leader in the space when it comes to the research around um, people experience, uh, employee experience within the workplace, but also culture assessment. Um, so you all do a lot of research, right? You are um, doing qualitative, quantitative research to understand the landscape. And so, tell what is the research telling us? I mean, we're in such a pivotal time right now. We're hearing words like the great resignation and quiet quitting and we yeah. i think we all sense whatever the word is that there's some kind of shift happening so um what's the latest research around you know turnover rate and and what you're finding
1: yeah and even beyond those like labor market <laughs> things you know we're seeing inflation and tech crash and uh, global energy crisis. There is Mm. like truly so much uncertainty and so many things that are outside of leaders' control. Um, But what is in their control is their culture. And really that's what's going to help them um, pivot, help them, uh, you know, prosper even during difficult times. And and that culture is what's going to really determine if employees feel like working at the company is helping or hurting their well-being during a time Mm. that's already generally hurting people's (laughs) well-being. It's quite difficult. Um, And as you mentioned, I mean, it really, we are seeing it's an employee's job market. And even when it's not, like your highest performing employees can always choose to go elsewhere. They will always have um, other opportunities. And so really focusing in on on what's important for employees at your organization is incredibly important. Um, So some of the the latest research we did, we were actually looking at the responses of almost 1.9 million employees Mm -hmm. and over 2,400 companies and looking at how could we identify what has a predictable impact on that employee experience and things like the likelihood that employees are going to leave? And through that, we identified two major factors, and you already mentioned one, which is the retention or turnover rate, and the other being that hiring rate. And those two things have very different impacts as well as converge, um, to -hmm. create kind of four different company directions that an organization could be going on.
0: Very cool. Yeah.
1: I, um, and I love, I love this idea of,
0: you know compiling all the data i mean obviously each each company is is unique but this is the space we're in right predictable science and behavior at work and so um yeah. we want to have some kind of archetypes or understanding of where we are i think as you know mm-hmm. a lot of business leaders are listening to this you know ceos founders and i think it's really important to slow down and understand where you are in this very moment because that is going to create a roadmap. map as to what you actually want to create and um, things like values, decisions, day to day behaviors, habits of your organization are going to impact type of culture you're going to build. So tell us about the four, uh, because I would love to understand maybe as you're listening, I know there's a quiz that Culture Amp provides that we can include in the show notes, but maybe tell us some characteristics of each of the four so folks can understand where they are today.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And I think what you just said is so important because when I start to describe them, I think many people are going to say like, oh, I want to be that one, or that's the Mm -hmm. good one to be. And there's, there's no good ones or bad ones. They just are. Um, Every single one has strengths. It has opportunities. It has actions that those companies can take. Um, So yeah, and it, and it changes over time. What you are now is going to be different than six months from now, and you can actively transform mm-hmm. that as well. Um, so if we think of it as a two-by-two, we're two, like going to business school, right? Yes. <laughs> um, of the retention rate and hiring rate. Um, in the top right, so those companies that are hiring and retaining more than average in their industry, And that's a really important point. So Mm -hmm. we use this methodology of comparing to the industry because otherwise we, well, we recognize that the baseline rates are quite different, right? Like a government is having a very different turnover rate than tech, for example. Um, And we didn't want any of these archetypes to be biased towards a particular industry. So if we look at that top right, they're hiring more than average and they're retaining more than average. These are expanding companies. And what we find at expanding companies is, well, one, what's interesting is high hiring companies in general, we see that they're not usually actually keeping up with demand in the amount that Mm. they're hiring. Um, So we see that they're less likely to feel like they can accomplish what they need to during their working Mm. hours. So in general, that growth um, does create issues with work-life balance. But it also, they're much more positive because They're obviously doing well in the business well enough to hire new employees, um, so they're motivated and they feel like the company is in a position to succeed. Uh, But what's really interesting when we look at comparing expanding, so those are the ones where they're retaining and Mm -hmm. they're hiring, to rotating, they're losing employees, but they're hiring, so they're kind of the juxtaposition one. Um, We see while they both have increased job demands, they're equally likely. So only one in two employees say they can accomplish what they need to during working Mm. hours. For one, for rotating, that turns into stress. They are the most Uh. likely to say that they're stressed. Whereas the expanding do not say they're stressed. They're the least likely of the four company types. And so we really wanted to dig into that. What is the difference between what these two companies are doing, two company types? And what we see is that, one, the leaders demonstrate that well-being is important, Mm. and two, they design jobs that are aligned with an employee's um, strengths, aspirations, and motivations, and by doing those two things, the expanding companies are able to buffer these job demands from turning into burnout.
0: Mm. Yeah, because stress could be—I mean, depending yeah. on to your point, how it's how it's experienced. Um, I'm stressed every day, but I love what I do. Right?
1: Yeah, well, that's like this point. Yeah, you stress versus distress, right? That's yeah, enjoyable so, yeah. stress that puts the the kick in your butt. Right, exactly. It's a, and I do think.
0: I mean, this gets gets back to the values conversation. That the purpose driven nature of work. Um, I'm connected to a purpose every day. Like I have my own business, right? So I was a little bit different. Um, but you know, as entrepreneurs, people who are working within an organization. How have you seen any difference with that as a driver, like connection to purpose, connection to the mission? Has that changed between those two archetypes or profiles?
1: Um, I love what I love, entrepreneur. First, I've never heard of that and feel that I identify as one of those because <laughs> yes. I have um crafted my own role twice and love thinking about you know what, what are the needs of the organization? How might I fulfill that? Mm-hmm. Um, And what we see, so particularly from the work, there's a question around the work I do makes good use of my strengths. Mm. And so that is really much higher in those expanding companies. And so employees are able to feel that purpose a little bit more. Um, And one other thing that comes to mind when you ask that is, so if we go down to those decreasing companies, so... Think about uh, we're at the bottom left now. So those are mm-hmm. the companies where they are losing employees. So they have a low retention rate and they also aren't able to replace them. So so on the business side, there aren't as many demands for their services. And also on the people side, they, they aren't able to retain employees. One thing that we find is the employees who stick around when it comes to what drives them, what motivates them, what engages them, they really want to be part of that comeback story. Mm -hmm. Like they Mm -hmm. want to see that the company is, um, you know, making the right choices that even though they aren't in a position to succeed right now, there's a vision for the future and that the work they are doing makes a positive difference. So it's even more important for them when the organization is struggling, for them to feel like there is alignment with the impact that they're ultimately having on the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a yeah, interesting to see how what drives engagement differs for each of those company types.
0: Yeah, that that's that's fascinating to think about. I think, um, and there has to be some kind of. don't know i just and and let me know if you're seeing this in the research but this is just my like hypothesis behind the scenes is there there has to be some kind of thresholds of kind of like when you move from one quadrant to another right um you know kind of that that decision to say you know what i've waited it out and i'm not seeing um you know kind of the culture improving or the results or, you know, the excitement that I had when I started. So are you seeing any like indicators of like key decision points or, uh, drivers that are causing people to bounce across these quadrants?
1: I think that's a great point. And given that we see, um, there's such different drivers of engagement uh, across. So I'll give an example for, If we just look, not the four company types, but just the high hiring versus low hiring, what we Mm -hmm. find most drives engagement for those high hiring employees is development. They feel like if the company's growing, they are also going to grow alongside the company. Mm -hmm. And so that's also why they're okay with dealing with those really long working hours and the lack of work-life balance because they think it's ultimately going to lead to, you know, greater career opportunities.
0: Mm-hmm. Whereas
1: for those low hiring companies, the number one driver of engagement is psychological safety. Mm. It's that stability that they have from working with the same coworkers every day, feeling like they can be vulnerable, that that safe environment that comes from it. And so, when you think about this, these are two very different types of employees, right? That want those two different environments. One being uh, a bit more high stress—you're right, stress, not you, you stress, not distress—but uh, mm-hmm. they want yeah. that challenge versus um, people who desire that stability and and comfort. Um, mm. And so if you are trying to move between different company types, I think it's incredibly important to be clear about those desires and allow employees to opt out because that might mm. not have been what they signed on for, right? Or yes. or what ultimately motivates them and recognizing that, yeah, you're you're going to have to find new people that are intrigued by that vision and that culture that you're trying to make. And that's not a bad thing, but it just means um, being open and honest.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a very underrated um, like factor when it comes to culture this idea of opting out. I think we traditionally think about the relationship with the organization as like, Loyalty, or, you know, this like, um, I don't know, unrealistic like bond between employees and employers. (laughs) And I think we're realizing that um, people are looking to obtain an experience and an enrichment from the organization they work from, just like anything else, right? Like you go to a restaurant, you expect an experience, you purchase things online. Like we are in an experience economy right now. So I think there's some old school mentality and paradigms that a lot of people still have. And, um, you know, just the message here, I I think, is, um, you know, people are, um, first of all, wanting different things, but generally they're looking for enrichment and what enrichment looks like to them um, may may be different. Um, And having those open conversations, I think, is really important, especially if your organization is transforming from one quadrant to another, right, or um, is, is changing having the open conversation to say and creating the space to allow for um, important transitions like that. Because I think what happens is we're kind of reactive, right? We get to a place of like survival where it's like a layoff or, you know, we now have just too many people. So let's get rid of everybody. And we're seeing a lot of that in in, in the tech space right now. Um, So yeah, kind of a, kind of a rant, but I I think that's such an underrated element of culture. Um, Like I know Zappos, for example, I think with like they hire people within the three th- within three months, they pay people to leave, for example, so it's like yeah. how do we have um more open conversations and mechanisms to make sure those those things come out as as culture is happening and ebbing and flowing,
1: yeah, and I love that you said you know enrichment differs for each person because I think you know, yeah, we are seeing the changes in the the psychological contract between yes. employees and employers and employees feel like they can ask for what they need. And we kind of see these two groups of employees that really want that purpose and their identity to come from work. And a whole nother group that's like, I just want to clock in and clock out and have my really stable work life balance, and that's all I need from you and There's no mm. problem with either of those, but identifying the the type of employee that mm. that you um, that you want and that your organization can actually fulfill those needs for because those are very different companies that do those things, yeah,
0: so what does this do for our concept of employee engagement because? You know, I, I know that Culture Amp is more focused on employee experience, which I think is the future of this work. I'm not—I mean, I've—I've I've run many an employee <laughs> engagement survey, but um, yeah. I think it's very limiting given the shift we're seeing. So, do you have any
1: thoughts on what that means for
0: employee engagement and how we're thinking about it?
1: Yeah, that's that's such a good question, and I feel like I need to give even more thought to it. Um, <laughs> but at its core engagement is really the level of enthusiasm, connection and commitment that an employee has to your organization and and what we can expect when it comes to commitment obviously that's been declining for, for decades, right? We used to work at the same company for, uh, you know, your whole life. And now it's much more normal um, to to hop around. And But that's because employees are getting more for doing that. So I think mm. that's not a natural state of things, right? I think that's because organizations have taken advantage of employees' loyalty, mm. uh, you know, through things like hiring employees at a higher compensation rate than the raises that they give to their current employees. Um, yeah. So it does, There, there's a reciprocal relationship between employee experience and engagement. I think ultimately, companies probably still desire that enthusiasm, connection, and commitment, but are they willing to give that employee experience and enrichment, like you're saying, to actually get that? That's the question. Mm. Yeah, oh well, that's
0: a great question. <laughs> and I think it's um yeah, it, it's and I think what business owners are probably struggling struggling with right now is um mm. there has been kind of a a difference in in power when it comes to employers and employees, yeah. right? Employers yeah. are always in a in a position of power. So we we demand engagement and loyalty. Uh, But now those employees are looking back and saying, well, what are you, what are you doing to enrich me? me. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) engage me. Yes, put a ring on it. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's, let's make this happen. And that's really, you know, that's, that's, um, so it's an interesting, just, I I just wonder where that, where that's going to go. Like employee engagement, employee experience, you know, are we going to ditch employee engagement at some point, like, is it going to matter in 10 years, uh, given given, mm. especially when you think about like the gig economy and yeah, the yeah. talent marketplace, and what will that look like? Um, so yeah, t- probably another uh, podcast episode, but, <laughs> but tell us about the last quadrant. So I think the last quadrant is holding. Um, yes. And so we talked about the three. Um, what about that last one?
1: Yeah, so holding is very interesting. So they are um retaining employees but they're not hiring new ones. So they're they're quite stable and this creates a really healthy work-life balance and employees are most loyal in in for this group of companies they they want to stay there. Um but what's interesting is beyond psychological safety which I already shared was the top driver Uh, they really want to feel respected and like Mm. their unique contribution is valued. And this really creates an opportunity because what we find is that they are also lowest on many recognition questions. So Mm. employees don't feel like the right employees are being rewarded and recognized. um, And they feel like their loyalty is, you know, potentially being taken advantage of. Um, and if you 've been with an organization for ten years, yeah you might not feel like you're being recognized uh, for what you 're bringing to the table um, and so I think that's a really interesting place where holding companies can really lean in and figure out what what how do people want to be recognized as mm-hmm. well because it's it depends on each person um, and one of the things we found in our research was calibrations um so really putting in the work within performance Mm. reviews to calibrate uh ratings so that managers are consistently applying the same standards can improve perceptions on those same questions where holding companies are lowest around the right people being rewarded and recognized things around Mm. accountability um because particularly you know managers can start to have a Favorites, right? Yes. If they've <laughs> been working with the same employees for a while, so really having that cross pollination in the calibration discussion of are you seeing what I'm seeing? Mm. Are we both using these, uh, you know, assigning threes in the same way? Those types mm. of discussions can really help for for holding companies. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like fairness
0: and yeah
1: is a, is a big component too,
0: right? You know, am I Am I being treated fairly? And I mean, you probably know about the obviously. I mean, there's a lot when it comes to like bias when it comes to evaluating, providing opportunities for people. And I do think you get this kind of, um, I don't know, loyalty bias. I don't even know if that's really a, a real bias, but it, yeah. you know, it's basically yeah. it's saying like you've been in the company for 40 years, so we're going to treat you differently than the person who's been here yeah. one year. Um, which in some cases, you know, when it comes to putting a formula behind things, sometimes that is a factor, but being objective about that. Um, and mm-hmm. then also, it sounds like, you know, personalization is really important. Uh, you know, I think about recognition, recognition as a love language, you know, we talk about the love languages, and I feel like recognition is the same. You know, some people like the, yeah. the you know, the, the trophy, right? Like, here's this, this physical thing that signifies your contribution. Some people like the really personal just picking up the phone or um having a conversation from their leader and some people are terrified of public recognition (laughs) like they they hate it like it's it's not even a good thing you're actually putting them in a really tough spot so asking the question like how do you like to be recognized it's yeah it's a very easy thing that any leader can do with their team like right now today after they stop you know listening to this podcast
1: um, actually, the the people who created the four love languages also have a book about um, them at work, and we apply love that it. at Culture Amp. Uh, yeah, so uh, except for the physical touch one, it's not included. In the we're still in a pandemic, right? <laughs> 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 Although I do like a good um, hug, um,
0: but I have to remember sometimes, you know, we're
1: in a pandemic. Yeah, uh, yeah, but fairness is so important. You know, so many times. Uh, I'm asked questions of like, you know, what what does the future workplace look like? And I am <laughs> decidedly like I, I do not call myself a futurist. And the reason is because I just feel like humans evolve very slowly and our brains evolve very slowly. And so I'm a big subscriber of David Rock's scarf model of the basic needs, so mm. status Um, certainty, relatedness, autonomy, and fairness. And those are really things that in our brain, we are wired to look for these things and see them as threat or reward, depending on where we land on that spectrum. And yeah, so fairness is always going to be important. There are some things that are just going to be important no matter what's going on in the world. Yes, yes. And you bring up a
0: really, really great point, which is I think we are having these like futuristic conversations about work and what is the future of work. And the future of work is just getting back to basics, is what you're yes. telling me, right? Let's get back to if we're going to create human centric workplaces, let's understand how the brain works and how bias comes into play and how that impacts team dynamics, how it impacts DEI, how it impacts performance, productivity. Like we are, we are this, you know, we're all different, but our brains are wired to survive. So, uh, what does that mean for when we get get into groups and we're we presented with threat? So, I mean, I, I love I love this topic of kind of
1: neuroscience and how it, it fits into our conversation. Yeah, human centric workforces. It it just means that we're treating each other like humans and allowing yeah. each other to be human. And what and we're we designing for it. it. Yes, exactly. And the the thing is,
0: is that, you know, I talk about, you know, design is a really important element to this because, you know, workplaces, you know, I talk about the industrial revolution a lot and how that was all about like assembly line and machines and it wasn't built with humans in mind. And so I think we're kind of, what we're coming up on is like this, you know, human revolution, right? Where up until this point, a lot of that old school, traditional mentality has seeped into like just how we do things at work. Um, but now we're saying like, it's taken us long enough to, to wake up to reality to say, well, humans get results, uh, especially in knowledge um, based, you know, industries. I mean, we still have manufacturing and all those things and we need to think about efficiency and time-lapse studies and all of that. But yeah. at the end of the day, there's a human usually behind something. Um, we're not going to just, you know, AI and computers so we have to design for it, and that's where I mm-hmm. what I really think your you know your work our work is about. Um,
1: yeah.
0: So this was um, such a wonderful conversation. I mean, I would love to have you back. You know, as as things are um, surfacing around other research, you know, if we you know we would all welcome you back to to share um, because this was just such an applicable model that I think everybody listening to can kind of identify where they are and where they want to go, and then some of the threads, you know, threads like development, personalization, and psychological safety. I think it's just a thread throughout all of those quadrants.
1: Yeah. And then getting
0: back to basics about human design and designing for people, not for process or machines. Um, so really just great gems. Well, I love it.
1: <laughs> and one thing I didn't share is we, we found something that was true for all of those quadrants. So no matter which company type you are, the number one reason that employees said they joined the company is also the number one reason they left. Mm. And that's career development. So yeah. <laughs> no matter what type of company you are, this is important um, to, to fulfill that promise that you sold people when they were joining the company.
0: Yeah. And I think, yeah. I think we have to get away from this idea of like they have a job, so they should be happy right? Everybody, every human has aspirations. Every human has motivations. And that may not be a a ladder move, right? It may be, you know, I think about career development as a jungle gym, like you're, you're all over the place collecting (laughs) experiences.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Stretch projects. Those are all development as well. It's not necessarily that, that vertical progression that people are looking for. Yeah.
0: Yes. And and pay people, right? I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, that's another thing. I think we sometimes like always miss something when it comes to career development. We say, oh, we want you to take on this stretch project, but we're not going to compensate you for it. Or we're not going to give you any path to what, you know, a promotion might look like or what a lateral move might look like and what benefit that will have to you and your enrichment. So it kind of goes back to that enrichment piece, right? Like, yeah, let's really make sure we're covering all angles of that. Um regardless of which company you,
1: you fall into. Yeah, enrichment, enriching the employee experience. That's all, that's what it's about. Asking employees what they want and seeing what you can provide.
0: I mean, yeah, it seems simple, right? <laughs> that simple. But it was... If it was so simple, you and I would not be, uh, we would be at a beach somewhere, um, you know, retiring at an exactly. early age.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and when, when you talk about human centric workplaces, I think what it comes down to for me is focusing on relationships mm-hmm. over results and not because results are unimportant, but you realize that relationships are how you achieve those results. And, and that's, that's the leading indicator. I love
0: it. I love the work you're doing. Uh, Is there anything else to come
1: back and get more? (laughs) I
0: would love that. I would love Mm -hmm. that. Especially as we like wind down the year, you know, um, if there's any like annual, like wrap up type results that we can give people um, into the the following year. I think that would be a fun, fun opportunity. Anything else you want to mention before we close out and say goodbye to everybody?
1: Just find out what you are. What what type of company are you, and are you happy with that? Um, and you know, there's always ways to uh, capitalize on those strengths you already have. Every company mm. has them, um, and and work through those those opportunities and and obstacles. Um, yeah, just focusing on your employees. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, 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 That's
0: yes, yes thing. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna preach this until the world ends. Yeah, so.
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like, we've both been on top of a, you know, ability just screaming this for decades. But like, truly, yeah. I mean, if, if you are, if you say you're going to prioritize people, you have to put action behind it. You have to put yeah. results behind it, you have to put accountability behind it. So we've um, so given you some silver
1: linings that we found was that decreasing companies were the most likely to be committed to acting on employee feedback. Um, mm. so that was something else that was interesting. So sometimes it seems like there has to be something negative going on in order for companies to actually take that leap. So don't wait mm. until that's the case
0: yeah we don't go to the doctor when you know we, we like to be preventative right like go to, <laughs> yes. get your annual checkup you know hire hire somebody to help you with assessing where you're at so you can um, so you can act on it proactively exactly. and that when and not when you know you're ready to to, to lay off people yeah <laughs> or when you're ready when there's a downturn in the market i think culture is just something you tend to always exactly
1: well thank you so much for having me angela Thank you, Frieza. It
0: was so wonderful talking with you. Um, we will make sure to put um, where to find you, where to find Culture Amp, and the re- recent study on um, these four different company types um, within the show notes. And uh, looking forward to more conversations.